I'm Soren Deniz. I am the producer of Play On Words podcast. And I'm Mackenzie Martin, and I am the technical director. I'm Dandon Johnson, and I am one of the sound designers. And I am the owner of Guppy Cam Studios. Ladies and gentlemen, my on? Ladies and gentlemen, quiet, please. Welcome to Play on Words, a theatrical podcast. Please turn off all outside distractions so as not to disturb. Abigail, turn that music down. It's four in the morning. Oh my god. Hey man, god. what's poppin'? Oh, how many times do I have to tell you that if you speak to me like that again, the There she is now! I'll get it. Wait! I can't let the telephone girl down there hear but, my real self. But but there was this one time we found this old computer. It was like like an Apple II. You I know, know it sounds like I'm being picky, but I promise I'm really not all that particular. Oh, He's oh, oh, I almost forgot the, the opening credits. All right, there's like there's like a sign and it says Steakhouse. And then a bloody knife just like cuts through the screen like. Play on words is produced by Soren Denise. Thank you for listening and for continuing to support the arts. Good, Good show, show, everybody. Good, Good show. show. Welcome to this very special episode of the Radio Theater Podcast. I'm Kevin Farkas, host and executive producer. On the podcast, we work with community-based actors and local theater groups to present classic, contemporary, and original imaginative audio productions. Sometimes these are our own shows, and sometimes we like to promote the work of others. In addition to showcasing performances, the podcast is also dedicated to celebrating the technical craft of radio theater. Now, warning, that's when you'll hear a lot of nerd talk. This show is our 20th episode, and we're excited to meet the creative and technical production team behind Play on Words, a theatrical podcast. And this truly is the first time we've ever met. But thanks to the power of the internet and some creative editing, we're all going to sound like old friends sitting around the campfire, swapping stories. And that's what theater is all about, isn't it? Telling good stories. This is what Play on Words is all about, too. Let me read their own words back to you. The idea for Play on Words originated from a group of theater enthusiasts in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We took what resources we have to get back to an activity we love, theater. Each episode involves a different creative team bringing different pieces of literature to life. Some of it is new content written for the podcast. Other pieces will be short classics with their own audio twist. Whatever you expect, let the power of words and your imagination sweep you away. Well, how exciting is this? Indeed. Let the power of words and your imagination sweep you away. Welcome to the show. Well, it's really nice to meet you virtually. And thank yeah. you for reaching out. We were so, we you, were Kevin. so excited, Kevin. <laughs> we really <laughs> like, were. You know, I, I've been following you guys for a while. And uh, I'd been meaning to reach out to you to say, hey, you know, we'd love to have you on the podcast to learn more about what you guys are doing. I think it's really great creative stuff. And there's just really not enough of this in, in the area. I mean, you know, radio theater, uh, radio drama, however you want to put this, um, you know, voice work is, uh, is not that common. And I think over the past year, you know, with the pandemic, it became very common because that was just the It was nature. like the only thing you could do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <literally. laughs> So, uh, yeah, so I saw you guys are out there. I said, oh, you know, I just got to reach out to you and uh, would love to promote your work. 
I just think it's really important. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that means so much to us. We really, really appreciate it. And and after taking a look at what you do, I mean, we're just so excited that like, we're getting to this chance to meet you and to like interact with other members of this community in our like local area. It's really cool. Like, I know we're not super, super local, but to us, it's like a huge deal. It's like, there's more of us. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we so appreciate like, and to hear that you've, that you've been following us or even listening to our shows, we're like, oh my gosh, there's there is an audience out there. And to, <laughs> to the two of us, at least, I know that this would be a project we would do just to do it anyway. But the fact that there is an audience, it just really like brings it alive. It really makes you feel hopeful and excited to be working on these kind of projects. Yeah, it's, it's always good to know that there's someone out there listening, someone who's paying attention, because, you know, as you know, th- this is so much work. It really is yeah. a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it's so much work. <laughs> yeah, and to put it out there and get, you know, 20 listens or 20 downloads, however you want to put that, it's a bit a bit discouraging. I mean, that was one of the reasons that I started this podcast, not only to sort of showcase the work that I wanted to do myself, but also to, to sort of like help maybe build a community and uh, relationships with people and a, a support network, if you will. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, especially this past year has been crazy and just the fact that like radio drama has been coming back, making a comeback is so cool to see. We actually started play on words last November around there because we missed doing theater so much and missed the community aspect of it. And we were like, let's take it back to the roots of radio drama. It it just felt like it had been so long without kind of that cohesive theater creation and like, the creative liberty that you get when you're on a stage with other people or you're talking with other people about a show. And um, Soren, we had been a members of the Duquesne University Red Maskers, and they had put on a like an audio play, like a radio play for Halloween of last year, um, kind of in place because they couldn't do shows. And it was just cool to see that happen. And then, you know, Soren had this like brainchild of like, I want to do creative again. I need to get back into this. And it was just, it's just really, really nice that this is even an option, you know, to do. Yeah. I've been doing this kind of work for about 11 years now. And I think it's important to peel back the curtains for people to see a bit of the sausage making, if for no other reason that what we do doesn't get taken for granted. Right. Absolutely. You know, it is a lot yeah. of work. There's, it, it's messy and it's crazy, and there's just a lot of pieces parts to a lot of this. And, and I think it just helps people understand really what goes into all this sort of work. So I always like to put pictures of you know behind the scenes. That's why you know I actually uh, reposted some of the pictures. I think I did one, one at least, uh, of the studio, right? Guffy Camp Studios with the mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guffy Camp. That was awesome. I think, <laughs> I think that's really important. You know, this stuff just doesn't happen. Right? It's not magic. We make it yeah. magic, yeah. right? We've been getting excited talking about like future collaborations and even just show possibilities. Like it's really fun to think of what we could do in this medium because so much stage stuff, because that's where we started with stage, and so much stage stuff is like inaccessible to us. We either don't have the the platform or we don't have the funds or we don't have, you know, the physical stage. And COVID aside even, this just makes theater really accessible to us because we're able to to still get that creative experience and the whole process of like sitting down with someone and putting together a character and really like even the creative process of behind the scenes. I mean, we have Dan and one of our um, one of our sound wizards with us uh, helping us out today. And like the work that they put in to put these shows together for us is just incredible. I mean, you're right. It's totally like we don't want to be 
taking any of this process for granted because it's it's just as much work and just as intensive as all of the theater that we're familiar with seeing. And we get to do something really cool at the end of it, which is, you know, this repeatable show, this performance that you can kind of get invested in and almost be a part of yourself, like right in your earbuds. And I know I really like that. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think there are a couple of challenges that we face. One is that um, the bygone era of radio theater was really, the golden age was in the 40s, 50s, but... They really went off the air in the 70s. I remember listening to CBS Radio Mystery Theater in the 70s on a little AM radio. I remember listening to that. The British have been doing this all along. BBC is still rocking and rolling with this stuff. But by and large, you know, here, it's odd. Radio theater stuff is odd. But And then there's this, so, you know, the podcasting has really gotten people to pay attention to their ears, which is a good thing. Yeah. So, so by and large, people aren't really used to radio theater. I don't think they have the patience really to sit down and listen to an aural production um, that was that's one obstacle, and the other obstacle is that a lot of actors they're not trained in this art form, and it is truly a specific genre, and I would say an art form of itself that is very specific. Everything is carried by your voice, sound effects, and the scoring, the emotionality that comes through all that. Most actors that I've worked with are stage actors, and they play to the other stage actor while we're recording, not the microphone. Right. You got to play to the microphone, right? Yeah. Because if you go off axis, you lost it. Right. So that's that's just one thing, you know, actors, they learn to work with each other, not with a microphone. So that's, that's been a bit of a challenge uh, that I found. Yeah. Too. The first episode we did, the first production, which was Scrooge's Sus, a 2020 Christmas Carol. <laughs> um, that was really the whole learning experience for what we were going to continue to do, because we had a playwright write this abridged version of a Christmas Carol this edited version, and he really had to work with audio. He really had to think in audio because um, Travis Barkfeld, our playwright, he was also used to stage theater. He was used to writing for the stage, and it was so different to think, well, I can't show costumes, I can't show movement, I can't show visuals, I have to show it through audio. And that's where our sound designer, Anthony Del Grosso, came in. Um, for that specific episode and really created the whole soundscape within the left and right earbuds. And also, like you said, the actors. It was the first part of recording the episode, Scrooge Us, was teaching the actors how to stand next to their microphone, how to yep. interact with their microphone, because most of them had maybe earbuds that had a microphone attached to it. And it, we had to tell them, don't play with the microphone. <laughs> Please don't touch your mic. Don't put it next to your hair. Please don't do your hair Don't while blow you're... <laughs> into it, you know? You don't it, need to pick it up and put it in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> we can hear you. So yeah. it was a lot of learning, a lot of a learning process for everybody, for the actors, for the creative team, for the writer, for the sound designer. I'll just remember, like, there's a couple of instances where this has really been made clear to me. And one of them is we had an actor who was reading her lines on her computer. And then when she wasn't reading them, she was obviously picking her head up from where like where it was actually located. And I think she had to use her laptop mic. And so when she read with her head tilted down, it was like grating and she was kind of hitting the like the gain was all it was just a lot of like loud noises and we couldn't get it to clear up but every time that she would look away from her script it sounded perfectly fine and so I was like do you have a printed copy you can kind of hold up it's not working like that 
And that's like the physical, technical difficulty here. I mean, even acting aside, just, yeah, like Soren said, trying to get the actors to treat their microphones not like props and to instead treat them like an audience. It's a new medium for actors who are usually stage actors. So it's a very interesting process. <laughs> when did you conceive this idea? First release of the production was December 25th of 2020. We Oh yeah, it was Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> right, it, was it was Christmas. A Christmas, show. Christmas <laughs> yeah. Christmas Carol, yeah. Um so <laughs> the idea began that November. So barely over a month before the release date, we started writing the play. I will never forget like scrolling through Facebook and seeing your Hey, I maybe want to start a theater podcast. Maybe if you'd be interested, you know, like this post. And I was just like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to like this post. Like, I was like, oh, we have to do this. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was a lot of like, I used my contacts on Facebook through Duquesne Red Maskers and just kind of got a bunch of friends together and was like, let's make a play through a podcast. And it was really interesting thinking of how logistically to do that, because specifically Scrooge's Sus, the 2020 Christmas Carol, it was a big cast. It was a lot of little characters, but it was a lot of characters. And we were all over the place. We would not be able to meet because, you know, COVID was still happening. So we went to Discord Discord being a social media platform for, like, social commentary, gaming, different yeah, communities. Kind of yeah. like chatting yeah. forum. And Discord has a really good audio channels. And we found that there was a bot that you could install into Discord named Craig, who could help you record each voice into a separate channel, which made it so much easier for mixing and made it just convenient because everyone was in their own place. We didn't have to meet anywhere physically. We could each have our own microphones and we all were able to still edit it like it was a full, you know, podcast with each person having their own voice channel. And honestly, like at that point in the pandemic, we'd all been attending so many Zoom meetings. I mean, I still had Zoom classes. So it was like, I, we'd been on Zoom, and we had decided that it was not for us. <laughs> Nobody really loves Zoom, and the Zoom recording process, we found, was really just not always clean. Um, and so our hope was to do Discord and just to have better quality, because honestly, Discord is a really fantastic community space. So we were able to communicate and also set up roles for people so they could say, like, well, I want to be an actor and we could reach out to actors, or I want to write so we could reach out for playwrights. And it was just like, it was kind of perfect opportunity for socially distanced and safe theater. It was a really, really good choice. Really, we have built a community on there on Discord. We have this group, this server, where we have, I, I don't even know how many anymore. Oh my gosh. It's like probably over 50, yeah. at least, people who have been involved in past productions and who are interested in being involved in future productions. And it's super cool because we'll update them on what productions are being done, on what auditions are being held, on what social media posts are being put out on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, that really helps just to be like, hey, guys, can you share the post that we just posted? But it's fun because it is a community. Like, it's 
we've all been in kind of stage community theater groups throughout, you know, the past few years. And it really feels like that, where you're like, oh, this is a new face, but I have seen them. Like, I've seen them doing work before, or I know this person because I've worked with them. And it just kind of helps really create that theater community feeling, um, even though it's virtual and even though it's online. And I have to say, like, <laughs> we have our complaints about Craigbot, but finding Craig was a really, really nice thing because it meant that we had a like solid, sophisticated way to record virtually, even if everybody had to use their own microphones, even if we couldn't necessarily guarantee the same level of audio quality everywhere, we could at least put something together as professionally as we could um, with that tool, which has been really nice. It's been even nicer uh, being able to record in person at Guffy Cam Studios. Oh my God, it's been amazing. Um, we have really, really missed that part of interacting and also that level of quality is really nice. So, we were just talking about how the actors being here face-to-face with each other, it just created this atmosphere, this tension, this chemistry with them that we hadn't been able to have uh, virtually, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important. You know, the chemistry between actors, the interplay, the eye contact, that's really essential. And I I think, um, I mean, I've seen some of this Zoom stuff. I'm just not a fan at all. And I think part of the reason is it's just so disconnected and disjointed. And so I'm glad to hear that you guys have a place, Guffy Cam Studios, and that you really dig that, you know, that process of being in there together, you know, with each other as you record so you guys have done nine episodes to date. Is that right? Oh my God, is it really that many? Yeah, it's that many. <laughs> yeah, nine episodes. Wow. I know that that might, to listeners, that might not sound extensive, but to us with like the months of work that have gone in, that just feels like such an accomplishment. And oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. I think, yeah, nine and no nine exit episodes. will be 10, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> Since December, right? So really in, in six, seven yeah, months, right. you've done that. Yeah, that's prolific, guys. That's really prolific. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Excited. yeah, it was um, really interesting to do, especially with the Pittsburgh monologue project that we did um, in collaboration with the Duquesne Red Maskers. It was long enough that we could split it up into separate episodes. And that was also really interesting to do because, first of all, it gave us more content to put out um, more often. And also, it just made this kind of cohesive story that just culminated all together in these five episodes. I was really fortunate to be um, a part of that project with the Duquesne University Red Maskers. So I was there and I was building chemistry with these actors who were never going to interact on stage. So it was actually like the reverse of what we've been doing in this medium where we have actors who are never going to see each other physically, but who are interacting in our stage versus being there and everyone's doing a monologue, but we are all really good friends and there's kind of this cohesive storyline going on. So it's interesting to see, to have been a part of both of those things and to see how that also plays, just to feel the different mediums going on. But the Pittsburgh Monologue Project was really, really cool. It was a great production that we were able to collaborate with them on because it plays so well to the ear. Um, Because these are all stories that have been heard throughout Pittsburgh, you know, at bars or clubs or whatever. You kind of just hear this story. This is a collaboration that's been going on for a really long time with the Red Maskers, where the authors of 
the monologue project kind of shift throughout the years, um, and they take and collect monologues from around Pittsburgh. And it just felt really cohesive. It was really nice to be able to share those stories and to know that we could blend between stage and audio and still get the same feeling, the same um, idea carry over. Like you, you experience that theater the same way, no matter which platform it was in. And I just really liked that. I thought it was a nice project to collaborate on. My favorite monologue was the last monologue we had in the series called Antarctica. That was my favorite monologue. I saw it uh, live with the Red Maskers and I heard it on our podcast. And it was exactly like Mackenzie's saying, it was the same feeling with a different medium. So live, you could feel the tension of the audience. You could feel that relief of the actor saying how he saw the sun for the first time after being in Antarctica for a year, you know? And then with the podcast, Anthony's sound design with that, he added the sound effects and he added the ambiance for it and it gave the same feeling. And it's that's just really cool to me to be able to, even though we don't have the in-person audience, the in-person chemistry of all being in one room, it can create the same feeling with just audio. I was rather impressed with how edgy you guys have been on some of these episodes. You got some language in there, you have some topics in there that are for adults, I would say. Well, I'm a big proponent of uh, the idea that all stories are accessible on some level. Everyone's going to experience things in their life that they've seen in stories. And I don't necessarily think that there's boundaries to that. So, I mean, edgy is kind of fun for us, I think, because we're just willing to tell the stories that touch us or that mean something to us, um, you know, no matter what that meaning actually translates to. But I like the idea that, that you might find some of our stuff edgy because maybe it's just you through the fact that I knew all of these people who were telling these stories where I was just like, ah, yes, these are just fun and playful. Um, and to hear someone else's perspective on it is actually kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it is a subjective point of view. Edgy is defined by some other standard. Uh, I guess what I'm thinking of is, uh, you know, a typical sort of uh, PG audience, general audience out there for whom you don't really know, uh, but you're throwing your stuff out there. So the disclaimers kind of help, you know, with that and sort of set that framing up just a little bit on that. I mean, I'm all for it myself. I, I just, I think there's not enough of um, very real theater work. Absolutely. I know for Casting Light, we had to put that disclaimer in there because we know those are very serious topics. We know those are very dark and uh, heavy topics to talk about mental health wise. And I think we as the production team had to think that over, had to talk that over because we know this is not meant for every single person to listen to. We want to make it as accessible as possible and we want to tell these real stories, like you're saying, these sometimes difficult stories to hear because they are important to hear. There's a thing about making sure that the stories are out there for the people who need to hear them, um, which is why, yeah, disclaimers for things like Casting Light, where we really touched on some mental health things, um, where we, we didn't want them to be taken lightly. We want it to be as serious as possible while not being solemn necessarily because the stories themselves are not always... It's not, they're not 
funeral stories. They're just life stories. And we don't want to do something that teases at those. You don't want to, you don't want to make light of a mental health situation, but you also don't want to make it heavy because it's a real life situation. We try in our storytelling to balance kind of this. And we did. We had a lot of conversations about it, about how things could be played so that, you know, if we're showing someone who's experiencing schizophrenia, we're not saying like, we don't want to be making light of the serious mental issue. But we also don't want to think like, oh, this person is dangerous or this person is, is, is for some reason other different than us. Like, we don't want that either. We want these stories to be heard by people who need to hear them without being damaging to people who might be sensitive to them. The director of Casting Light, Elise Dalzell, actually had really good direction as far as what she wanted to do with this kind of like including comedy into these stories. So she really was the one to talk to the actors and let them know, hey, you are portraying something that is fiction, but it is based on real experiences. So you have to be aware of that and really kind of educate yourself beforehand so we can do a true representation of what the original playwright wanted to convey. I really appreciate the amount of thought and deliberateness that seems to be going into your productions. I think that's very important, right? So I, I really appreciate, you know, what I'm hearing here is that you're you're thinking through it and you're collaborating with each other and you're bouncing these ideas back and forth. I think that's really important for the process. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we've been really lucky to have a very focused core board members uh, on this project where we are able to, you know, meet regularly and discuss these aspects of the podcast. We certainly want to all be on the same page when we're producing something, but we also want to be open to many different ideas. So it's nice that we have a collaborative effort working on many of these shows where discussion is super open and we can really talk about some of these issues to make sure that that kind of deliberateness is upheld, which is I think just very important to all of us. Can we talk a little bit about the technical process here? We may have to bring in Dan and... <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is where I, I like to geek out with the nerd talk. How do you guys go about actually tracking, recording, and then the, what's the editing process like, uh, and then the publishing, and then how do you market it? How do you push it out there to make sure that everybody knows that this, you know, this art form is now available to the world? Like we mentioned, our main use record recording platform. Yes, our main recording platform is Discord, um, which has it's basically like being on a phone call with twenty other people or as many people as our yeah. Group. We have like multi-track recording available to us through that. So if the three of us were in Discord right now, we would have you know tracking of of like my voice would be tracked and Soren's voice would be tracked and your voice would be tracked, and that has made it easy in the editing. Well, I say easy. <laughs> it has made it possible in the editing process to really try to get as clean of a take as, as as we possibly can, especially because for the first part of this, we were dealing with all kinds of different equipment because this was very home-based. Like we talked about earlier that we had people who were using, you know, you use an Apple headphone set that has a mic on it and it it works. <laughs> it's all right. And it you works. can be edited to, to sound pretty clean, but Every person is dealing with something different or dealing with a different studio space. And so we were lucky to find a multi-track option because it was able to cut down and improve the quality, basically. Cut down on all the extraneous sounds. And with the Craigbot, how that works 
is it does take each track as if each person had a separate microphone in a studio. So it exports it out to a website, a link that you can click where you can download each individual wave file. And it makes it incredibly easy to line up because they do all start at the same place. So really they just download and put them in your DAW and you're good to go. <laughs> makes it easy when yeah. it works. Very true, Dannon. <laughs> Dannon is um, pointing out that uh, that Craigbot doesn't necessarily always, um, what's the word? Function? Cooperate. <laughs> <laughs> do what it's meant to do, um, which I think we've, it's been very frustrating at times, but I think we've also taken it as kind of a, well, it's a consequence of the medium and of trying something new, that we're using a robot that doesn't always work. <laughs> So we have to use this programmed bot on Discord and we have to command the bot to go into the voice channel that we're using and record each one of us. And sometimes it doesn't want to go into the voice channel. Or sometimes it only wants to go into the voice channel if I call it in the voice channel. <laughs> Craig only likes Mackenzie. I had I had gotten my coronavirus vaccine and it was my second dose and I was just having a rough time of it. I don't know if everybody else had that experience, but I had like the 36 hour fever and chills and like horrible, horrible flu feeling. And I was like mid COVID sleeping, just kind of like laying there with my phone next to me. And one of the stage managers, Anna Cunningham, um, texts me and she's like, I know that this is weird, but can you please call Craig in because he won't listen to anybody. And, you know, at the time, virtually, like, we can't record these sessions any other way. So I, I'm like, in the darkness of my room with my phone on my lowest brightness, and I'm on mute. I like join the, the call. I was like, don't talk to me. I'm just calling Craig in. And we get Craig the robot to come in. And then I sit in there for the duration of the rehearsal. So I could tell Craig the robot to leave just to get the technical things to work for us. And it's exasperating. And I know that um, our sound designers have been very, very patient with Craig, who is a brat, but <laughs> he's not listening right now. So I can say that. <laughs> what about microphones? What about microphones? <laughs> yeah. um, what are you using? So actually, for overtones, we were lucky enough that each of the actresses working with us had an actual external microphone to plug into their laptop in some shape or form. And that was incredible. That was probably the best quality. audio quality we had before No Exit, before we were able to record in studio. So as far as microphones, a lot of the microphones used before that were, like we said, headphone microphones or laptop microphones or even phone microphones. I know some people used uh, Zoom recorders and... USB mics. I think they were Blue Yetis. Um, so we've had all sorts of technology pass through <laughs> our production team. We should make a list of all the microphones we've ever that would used. Be very in interesting. Our yeah. I feel like it would be a long list. And we learned kind of quickly that it's not easy and it's not perfect, but our audio sound designers can can do their best to match things, to make people sound really, really similar. And we've had a lot of luck with that. But even for things like the Pittsburgh Monologue Project, where we were able to record in person, um, some of that recording, I hate even mentioning it, but some of that recording occurred with a mask on because we were in, you know, a confined space at a Duquesne University studio, which, you know, the university rules required some masks. So it was, uh, some of it you can hear 
the mask, which I think adds to the story during COVID, to be honest. But um, it's that kind of thing where we're like, well, there's very little we can do about this. We're using a high quality microphone. Uh, we've got a great actor. And there's just this this one thing we can't change. So we've been rolling with the punches as far as audio equipment. You know, when we haven't been able to get perfect equipment, that's what we've been doing. But Dan and set up here in Guffy Cam Studios is really nice. I'm not even sure what equipment we're recording on right now, but I, I think it's working. Just yeah, come over SM58s, here and, I think. and talk about sound things. Okay. Yeah, because you guys tracked No Exit in the studio there, right? Yes. Yeah, No Exit was done here, so everything that we're using will have been like the same audio quality level and it'll be really good. Yeah, so at Guffy Cam, right now, we're using uh, two SM58s, and that's what I used as well uh, for No Exit, because that's what I have the most of, and I needed at least four. Uh, we had a max of four actors in my space, uh, you know, for comfortable social distance, everything, and we began this right when restrictions were kind of lifted and everything, so the kind of rule was, not only did you have to be local, but you had to be vaccinated to come here, everyone was, and I think it worked out great. Not only was everyone on a consistent microphone, but I was able to watch levels, you know, tell people, hey, please don't back away. Please face your microphone as opposed to looking away. And the actors handled that phenomenally. And it was great to see, like Mackenzie mentioned, that chemistry kind of come alive during that, having sat through, you know, those Discord recordings and stuff like that. But in terms of like fine details gear, I am using 58s for everyone. I run a Tascam Model 24 as a mixer, interface, and recorder. uh, And then I run through Pro Tools. So plug right into my interface off to Pro Tools, and that's pretty much the basis of the recording. For No Exit in particular, we had three sound designers on it. We have Jake Reed, who is new to this team He's new now. to the podcast team, uh, yeah. He's, uh, this is his first show with us, so he handled the dialogue edit. I'm doing the sound effects placement, so I'll take the composition from the director, you know, footsteps, doors creaking, what have you, lay them all in there, and then Anthony's going to handle the mix, and it's nice to have that team of people because it can be a pretty hefty workload, especially when, you know, two of us are in college, we work, <laughs> you know, I, I own my studio. I, yeah. I do things. So, uh, I will say our dream for the podcast is we'd really like to pay our audio designers <laughs> <laughs> right now. We are, um, so grateful and completely reliant upon their volunteer, uh, work effort. And we just really love them for it. They have done so much for us. Um, and we are really hoping to get the, audio peeps, what we call our sound wizards, on our payroll, <laughs> because we we just really love what they've done. They are the backbone of the podcast. I mean, we can talk actors all day long, but at the end of the day, this doesn't get heard without, you know, without Dan and Anthony and now Jake. Like, we really need them. Um, and originally, Soren uh, was helping, you know, with the technical aspect of it, because we really needed a lot of that recording help and that editing help. It was just, <laughs> it was a lot of work. That was crazy to even become involved in this. I had I'd known Soren from being in like the local band scene. I was in a punk band when I was in high school and they were also in a band that we had played together. And Soren posted a thing on a group called Sound Girls, which is a nationwide international, you know, very large scale organization on Facebook, uh, all types of social media for females and people who identify as females in audio, because that is such a niche community. Uh, And I myself am a big advocate for females in audio being, you know, a female in audio, but they reached out and they were like, hey, is there anyone who's interested in helping with this podcast or we're looking for a sound designer. And at the time I had sent them a cover, a Green Day cover that I did <laughs> and was like, I haven't done any theater things before, but I'm very much so interested. Is this cool? And they were like, oh my gosh, yeah. And it, it's been a blast to be a part of. And I know 
I not only speak for myself, but Anthony and Jake to say we are very grateful to have you guys supporting us and and allowing us to do what we do and trusting us to do what we do. Because I know it takes a lot of trust in your audio team to handle this stuff and to make those things come to life when, you know, a director or an actor's like, I need a a low engine e something esque sound. (laughs) (laughs) I'm speaking to overtones, but uh, we we pull those things and and, you know we know how to kind of handle that situation. So there's a lot of trust in that regard. I mean, we're we're talking about real foley work. I mean, Dannon's out there in the driveway (laughs) and she's like making ice crunching sounds. Like this is true foley. Like (laughs) I went out uh, for overtones, which is my my very first production with play on words. We wanted, like, the idea of this tension building, and one of the lines, it just a singular line, mentions, like, current running beneath ice yeah. on, like, this lake or river, and I was like, this is perfect, like, it's the middle of winter, I stepped out of my car one day after coming home from classes, and I, like, I heard the crunch, and I was like, I need to record this. There's your ice sound. <laughs> so I grabbed my, I grabbed a Scarlet 2i2, my little portable interface that I'll bring with me. I took my Rode microphone out and you just see me stomping around in the driveway. The mark of a true sound designer, my Rode microphone, the one I have with me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> just crunching all these ice. In there. I had people walk past me. My neighbors came out and they're like, what is she doing? <laughs> but I-, I love, and I know my peers do as well, to bring that personal aspect to what we do as sound designers. Not only are we making, you know, the mix we're laying in sound effects where we think they fit, but we're making some of those sound effects and we, you know, we'll compose or we'll put together pieces of music or bring together, you know, a director's piece of music. So we get to have this brainchild that's aside from a play that also exists that people then get to hear. And and just those two worlds colliding, at least for me, is super cool to hear because I didn't have a theatrical background before coming into this. Well, now you do. <laughs> yes, now I do, and it has been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good choice of words, Dannon. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on now and some of the future projects. So right now we're just finishing up No Exit. We'll have that out beginning of August, and that one is Grant Jones's brainchild. Um, he directed it and he composed a lot of the music that we're going to be using for it. And we were able to record in Guffy Cam Studios. This is one of the, I think, one of the plays that has more of a reputation to it um, that people that are very into theater might recognize, might know, might have heard of. Because before we had the 2020 version of A Christmas Carol. <laughs> We had overtones, which we hadn't even heard about before. It was just like a public domain. It was a public domain. The director, at least Dalzell, found and just really loved. I love overtones, but yeah, Yeah. I'd never heard of it before. Yeah, we had the Pittsburgh Monologue Project, which was the project of the Duquesne Redmasters. Again, it's like a local brainchild Mm -hmm. as opposed to something more well-known. We had Casting Light, which we were actually very fortunate to talk to the playwright and collector of all these plays uh, Sue Murray, she was able to talk with Elise for a while, Elise Dalzell, the director of Casting Light. And they were able to have really good conversation about these plays that were written and that we performed. And she's based, I think, in Australia. So again, something that we hadn't, you know, isn't necessarily U.S. centric, isn't necessarily super well known. 
which is fun for us because it means we have nothing to lose, nothing to compare against, but still something beautiful to create. Like we've really liked doing these, all of the shows that we've done because it's just, it's kind of fun. We get to play as much as we want with it. Absolutely. And then Grant Jones had actually brought up No Exit back in November when I pitched this idea to a bunch of people. He really was set on doing No Exit. And it has turned out incredible so far. Like, I am so excited to hear the finished product. This is not even the first, but one of many pieces we've done that has had, like, you know, self composed music or coverage of music that we've also done and that's really fun to know like how much of the the background of our lives has come into this like Grant and Soren and Dan and all musicians so it's really cool to have you know our musicians get to do this too and really get to do the show that Grant is super passionate about you know really excited about yeah for Casting Light we even had some music from Julian Clark Christ Clark I think is his yeah Christ Clark on Bandcamp and on Spotify yeah um he did a lot of the music so we've had a bunch of people and then no exit having Grant's compositions with that is gonna be incredible because he's showed me a few of the demos for it I really enjoy Grant's musical styles so as the technical director of the podcast, I kind of like to have my thumb in every show to make sure that there's cohesion amongst all of the productions and also that I'm there if anybody needs me. But No Exit has been running so smoothly, I haven't had to be a part of it. And I am really excited to hear No Exit for the first time myself because it's going to be, I think, really fun for me to get to listen to a show I've not you know, been around for um, to kind of see what we've been creating. I just think it's really really wonderful. We are really excited about No Exit. And um, other upcoming projects like the playwriting contest that we're uh, starting to accept submissions for in mid-August. We're really excited about that. August 13th, I think. Play on your words, playwriting contest. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that's, yeah. It's going to be really, really cool. Yeah. So that one, we have a $5 submission fee for each play submitted. Uh, the submissions will be from August 13th through September Third, and it is Halloween themed. We yes. are going to release them in October, and the prompt is um, very spooky themed. We've yes. had some like words that people can uh, get inspired by, and we are really excited to see what people bring to this. Uh, yeah, the words that we're using as a prompt are um, haunt, unearthly, and macabre, um, which we're we just, it's this kind of spooky, like, we're going to have a lot of fun, I think, reading these, and I hope people are going to have a lot of fun writing them. I am um, such a Halloween person, such a spooky ghost movie, scary movie person. Um, and I think you can take these words and really do anything you want with them. They can um, be any genre, really. They yeah. can be, like, classic mystery horror. They could be comedy. They could be a full-on drama. yeah. We're hoping to get lots of spooky stories, but we're open to a large variety of stories. We just kind of want to see what people are willing to do, especially um, if they're writing for this medium in the first time. We have, I think, put in pretty specific instructions. We love stage direction. Stage direction is awesome. However, we won't do it unless it's sound-based, <laughs> unless you're you're putting in a plug for the tone of voice or you're trying to plug um, a sound that's in the background, which, again, we like. You know, we want a chair creak if we can do it. We want footsteps. Um, and there might even be more that our sound producers are willing to put in to make a story really come together. But I know it's challenging to the playwrights to work in this new medium, and, and we just, we love to see what they do with it. So our judges for the playwriting contest are me as a producer 
And then our past production directors, so Elise Dalzell, Ashley C. Brown, and Grant Jones. And then we have a guest judge from actually Gemini Children's Theater, who is Jill Jeffrey. Yeah, and we, we are love really Jill. excited. <laughs> we love Jill. She's incredible. And we're really excited to have this like board of people um, involved with the podcast who can read these stories. And I'm hoping really that we get a database of writers that we can go to that we can ask, like, even if we don't pick them for this particular contest, we can be like, hey, we really liked your writing style. We really liked what you were starting to do. Would you be willing to write a bigger production later on, stuff like that. Yeah, and there's even the opportunity to be like, we couldn't choose you for this contest. We're hoping we get so many submissions, we have to say no to some people so that we can say yes to them later uh, and take p- perhaps take their submissions later on. Or yeah, just like Soren is saying, ask them to be a part of our team um, to come in and playwright for us, if at all possible. Um, it's It's more like any community theater, you want the community to be involved. And because we can be virtual, our community can be enormous. And we just are excited to hopefully be getting submissions and outreach and and talking to people. And the, the prizes, I think, are kind of exciting. Yeah, because this is not even just for us. This is also for the writers that we want to showcase, you know. So the first place winner gets an interview with us. So we get to talk about their play. First, second, and third get their play produced on Play On Words podcast. And then first through fifth place, get a feature on Riot Rage magazine, which is a local um, women-based magazine. Yeah, Riot Rage is absolutely sick. Um, If you have not been able to check it out, they have a website that you can get to and an Instagram. Um, And if you look up Riot Rage, you'll find them. Really, really cool woman-run, like, they're just a really awesome layout. They're always talking about active music. They're always talking about, like, there's, there's nice exclusive pieces about songs, and it's just really cool. There's, like, all types of written word. Um, there's poetry. There's submissions to that magazine. And we thought it would be a great collaboration to take this kind of written medium, the magazine, and take our writing medium, the audio, <laughs> and kind of like... How do we mash these word things together <laughs> and make things work? Exactly. It's just been really nice for us, especially because I feel that we're still in our early legs, which is why it's crazy to me that we have even nine episodes out. I'm like, wow. Um, Because we've been able to work with so many people so far. Like, we've been able to work with the Duquesne University Red Maskers and actors all over the place and directors from a variety of platforms and now a magazine and with Dannon and Guffy Camp Studios. And it's just... It's just really cool. It's like it builds and builds and it makes you feel like you're really doing something wonderful for the the theater community or for the creative community. Absolutely. And as far as what you mentioned, um, Kevin, about the audience we're kind of pandering for, right? Um, Some of our productions have been um, this kind of like edgy or like uh, heavier feel to them. But we're also looking to do classic things like Shakespeare in the future. The Great Gatsby is now in the public domain. The Great so Gatsby you know is now in the public be, domain. We're looking for a playwright to potentially do an adaptation of Gatsby for us. We think that that would be really cool because we have a lot of musicians who could really play on the jazz theme. Oh my God, that we just would be think so that fun. Because Gatsby is usually so visual. And, and other things like Shakespeare. Shakespeare is... is so visual it's it's maybe you do it on a bare stage and maybe you do it in actors with, in plain clothes but it's so much about 
the touch and the interaction between those actors. So we just think it's going to be really cool to be able Absolutely. to do it audio-wise and see what we can do with it. Yeah, even doing other plays with other local theater companies would be incredible. For example, Jill Jeffrey and Gemini Children's Theater. We could collaborate with them and do an episode fully for children, you know, fully on children's theater. And that would be so much fun, you know? This is just awesome. And I think to the degree that we can put ourselves out there and make these calls to the public is to, hey, what what do we need in terms of, um, you know, the, the acting and the tech stuff? That's great. But what else do you guys need to succeed right now? How can the public support you? Well, we are happy to accept donations, of course. Sharing things, joining our Discord. It just really means a lot to us when people share the posts that we post on. Um, we post on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you want to visit our website, that's really great. Since this is currently an all-volunteer production project, we really rely on everyone sharing on social media, sharing by word of mouth, sharing by any way possible. Um, we have Play On Words podcast on Instagram. We have Play On Words podcasts on Facebook as a Facebook page. Um, really, the next call to action would be look out for No Exit coming out soon. Yeah. Uh, and we have what we do for each premiere of each episode is we do a premiere on YouTube. So right at 7 p.m. on whatever Saturday the episode comes out, we have on YouTube the premiere and everyone listens to it together yep. and we can chat and comment on YouTube. And it's really cool to see just how many people show up for that and like just hearing it together yeah. is really cool. So it's still really fun to get to listen to the people you worked with um, and to listen to the the kind of magic that comes with that final story. So we love listening to the premieres together. It's so much fun. And yeah, Absolutely. we do premiere on YouTube. We usually release Saturday nights and it's always at 7 p.m. That's a really good note to end on. But I want to thank you guys for sharing the inside story to play on words. And I really hope this is going to help you get some traction. We Absolutely. really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on. We love what you're doing. Like, we love seeing radio shows. It's so, so nice. Seeing somebody else also doing, also doing radio, radio theater, theater. <laughs> and also promoting it. And that's, it's just, it's just like, I found my people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Soren, Mackenzie, Dana, thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Listen in tomorrow, same time, same station. Time marches on. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast. Evidently, there's some difficulty with our field transmission. However... We will return to that point at the earliest opportunity. Good night. Good night, all. I gotta straighten out that closet one of these days. You are listening to a production of the Social Voice Podcast Network. Mm-hmm.